ಭವತು ಸಹನೌನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವತೀತವಸ್ತಮಾವಿಶಾವಹೈ Any questions from anyone? So we're on the second from last chapter. What paucity of intellect creates? Mean lack of intellect. What happens? After that we got the last chapter which is the most subtlest of all. So you need to be really attentive for the last chapter. That's the crux of the uh, message in the whole book. which will be probably next week because i think we'll be finishing this chapter today so what's the most important thing you can do for yourself right now you want to move on to, you want to go on the spiritual journey you want to start on a spiritual path what's the most important thing you can do right now any ideas we have said it before get the knowledge and focus get the knowledge and focus yeah become less attached or unattached and learn how to not let outside things bother you as much yeah and uh, speak to your partner okay reduce desire You're all right. All of those things are correct. But the most one of the most important thing you can do is learn to accept who you are, what you are right now. Without any complexes. This is who I am. I'm Batiben. This is where I am. I want to start my spiritual journey. How do I move forward? No ego, no inferiority complex, no superiority complex. understand who you are and then start your journey clean slate forget the past look at everything from a fresh perspective what's happened is happened you can't change that start from now today everything else that you've mentioned is things that you have to do on the path those are all the things you have to do on the path be less attached reduce desires and so on so from here on the first thing you can start doing is develop yourself to become a better human being let's let's that let this be the start what is becoming a better human being we said being selfless is extremely difficult let's start with being unselfish selfless we can't understand right now you have to say right that's the last stage but initially let's start becoming learning to become unselfish we can all do this without too much effort just by changing our attitude think about others before yourself attitude of after you how can i serve you rather than what can i get out of you so everyone can change their attitude to this this way it's not that difficult this is what we're saying 
this start, then starts your spiritual path. Thereafter, you can adopt all these other things that you've mentioned. But initially, let me accept for who I am. Let me start my journey. The first thing I need to do is have an attitude of being unselfish in this world. Now you can start. We discussed last week a little bit what might help you to become more unselfish. What 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 can help you to become more unselfish, Rajesh? Help other people take up the Help other people? Yeah, take up other Service. Services. Okay. Even more than that, what you can do right now. Those are actions that you can perform. But right this minute, to become more unselfish, we can all do this right now. By realizing and understanding, and be grateful for everything we already have. Oxygen to breathe. Clean water to drink. From a tap you turn and the water comes out. Any choice of food, Anita, you can make whatever you want tonight. Roof over our heads. Free education. Jobs. list goes on and on. Of all that we get. You think about it, we're probably in the top 10% of the world's population that has everything. Having all this, we're still not happy. We want more. You think if we get more, we'll be happy, Fatiman? Mike has to hear. <laughs> no, it hasn't happened as yet. <laughs> when is enough enough? This is human nature. So, how to become unselfish? Accept who you are. Realize everything, all the benefits you're already getting. Be grateful to that. That instills humility within you. And that helps you to start becoming unselfish. It's just change of thoughts. Change of attitude. You don't have to go to a temple to serve it. Just to accept this points, thinking about these things. Actually, if you think about it, we will never be happy. You don't realize this yet, but actually we will never be happy. Why? I just, we will never be happy. doesn't matter how much your bank balance is. Why? Because you'll still want more. Huh? Because you'll still want more. Absolutely, you still want more, but there's another reason. Competitive, competitive. We're talking bigger than that. We'll never be happy until we find our true nature. We're not this body, mind and intellect. We are not this personality. We are the self, the God principle. That until the day you realize that, you will never be happy. So then you will be happy when you do realize. Never going to be happy. Not in the world. 
in the state that you're looking for right now, you'll never find happiness. In the relative sense. Mm. In the material world, I'm talking about. So not in this world? No, you'll find happiness in this world, but not in the material sense that we're all seeking in. You know, as Amar said, being competitive, more money. Anita said, you know, it's never enough. Until, so this is all in the material world, and we will never find happiness in that sense. Waking state. Let's forget about waking state for now. So, what we're saying is that we haven't found our true nature. That's why we're not happy. Anita, you are not this person you think you are. Bella, you are not this person who you think you are. You are the self disguised as this person. But because of the lack of understanding, and you have total identification with this current personality, you now believe yourself to be this limited, unhappy person. Constantly searching in the world for happiness. Does that make sense? You might say, Rajesh, you might say, I'm, I'm not unhappy. You might say, I'm not unhappy. The happiness we're talking about in the world your experience now is limited. It's temporary happiness. When everything is going your way, you are happy. The minute something goes wrong, unhappiness is just around the corner. That's the difference. So you're not this person. And until you find your true nature, you will not find happiness. This is the point we're making. It's quite subtle. So, how does this knowledge help us? Understanding ourselves better. Understanding ourselves better. Anything else? Omar? So, how does knowledge help us? We can use this knowledge in the world to bring happiness in our lives, or we can use it for spiritual development to find out this, who is this real person I'm supposed to be? They're telling me, the scriptures are saying, I'm not this person, I'm not this body mind, I'm not Vela, I'm not Anita, I'm not Vartivan. So who am I then? Then this knowledge can help you to find that out. So you can either use it in the world to be successful, be happy in the world, or it can help you to find out who what your true nature is. It's up to you how you use it. Helps us to understand our true personality and guides us to overcome this limited person that we have assumed. This, this personality that you've assumed, it allows you to go deeper to find that true personality.
And in the world, it allows us to see the world for what it is, rather than what we, what we want it to be. Once we understand the world better, it is easy for us to navigate through the world, make the right contact with it, gain happiness with each contact, even though it's limited. But that's all you understand, then let's do that. So that's why we need this knowledge and the intellect to reason and judge. But you decide how you want to use it. Do you want to stay in the world? Or do you want to get out of it? The choice is yours. Any questions? Is it clear? Have I explained it clearly? The un Does it make sense? Yes. Just like sounds doing gloom at the moment. Why doom and gloom? It's no. The, the thing is, you've not experienced that true happiness, that real happiness. So you don't know what it is. No. So you're not missing out in the sense. But the scriptures are saying that the happiness you're experiencing is limited happiness. It's only if I get this, I'll be happy. Kind of happiness. As you said, it never happens. <laughs> so that's the kind of limited happiness. But we're used to it. So you know, a new movie comes out, we go and see it, we feel happy. New restaurant opens, we go and have a meal there, we feel happy. So we experience these limited happiness. But the scriptures are saying this isn't real happiness. You don't know what real happiness is. You'll carry on going this path until you're fed up. See, even if you have someone who's rich, he'll still say, no, I'm, I still need to do this. I need to go here, or I need to earn this much more money, or... I need to buy this, or I need to change my partner, whatever it is. You know, the Amazon guy, he just divorced his wife and uh, married, a, I mean, he, he's the richest man in the world. He's still looking for happiness, even though he's got everything. So this is the happiness we're talking about, it's limited. This world can only give you limited happiness. So, chapter 9. So, lack of intellect. So, I'm just giving some idea what this knowledge can do for you. If you follow it properly. Where it can take you. That's why it's called the ultimate knowledge. So, what, what lack of intellect creates? So, not having intellect, we see the world differently. We are confused as to what the world is. We don't know what we want in life. And what our role is in life. If I ask you, what is your role in life? What is your role in life? Your purpose in life? What would you say? Rishi? What is your role in life? Your purpose in life? What would you say? Try and be happy, get through life. Try and be happy and get through life. What would you say, just now? What would you say? What is your role in life? What your purpose in life? What would you say? Someone asked you that question. Don't really know. <laughs> Emma, any ideas? Be happy. See, everyone will say, I want to be rich. What is your role in life? I want to be rich. Why? I want to be happy. I want to be loved. I want to be remembered. 
These are all the kind of answers people are going to say. Each one will answer differently. So this confusion, this is what we're saying. Nobody actually knows their purpose in life, their role in life. We're confused, mixed up. So with a weak intellect, we can't understand these things. This is what they're saying. And that's why we need to develop this. For example, now it gives examples. Freedom and bondage. What is freedom? And what is bondage? What is freedom? Well, aren't there barriers that you've made for yourself? Because um, freedom would be to be able to do whatever you want. Boundaries are things that obviously that limit you. Okay, you can't. You can only spend how much you have. Okay. So you can only use what you have. And you so you talk. You can only be around people that are close to you. So these are boundaries, but I think they're all self-created. Okay. Anybody else? What is freedom? What is bondage? Freedom from the desires. It's different for different meaning. Yeah. See, this is what I'm saying. Lack of intellect. We don't understand these principles. We're going to go through them. But no one's wrong. You're right from your perspective because this is the meaning it has for you. And if I might say freedom for me is, you know, doing whatever I want to do, go wherever I want. It's different for different people. So the spiritual side of things, we're talking about the spiritual aspect of Freedom and bondage. In the worldly sense, you're all right. So, due to a weak intellect, we do not understand what true freedom is. We are bound and dependent on objects and beings in the world, our desires, and we're affected by them. What is it that we're bound to? Objects and beings. Huh? Materialistic things. Anita, what you what you uh, bound to? Probably your role as a wife, mother, sister. Yeah. The rules. Attachments. Attachments. We're analysing here, yeah? We're not criticising. We're bound to our partner, mm. our children, our home, our car, our phone, our job. We're bound to all these things. We're constantly feeding the demands of the body, mind and intellect. Body with its sense organs wants sensual pleasure. What are our sense organs? Any other? Taste, smell, sight, hear, feel. Absolutely. Mind wants emotional satisfaction. Good feelings, good emotions. What are good emotions? What are good emotions? Happiness. Happiness, love. Intellect wants constant information, knowledge. Wikipedia. Yahoo, what's going on today? Instagram. Instagram. What's my friend doing? Where is she? Oh, she's lying on a beach in Bali. Which friend is that? Intellect wants information and knowledge. So we are slaves to our own passions. This is what we're saying. This is the bondage we're talking about. This bondage. Our body, mind and intellect is dependent on the world. So what is freedom then? Now we told you what the bondage is, what is freedom then? If this is the bondage. Arish, what's the freedom? <laughs> huh? The ability of the mind to 
you're halfway there because it isn't the mind that does the judgment. It's the intellect that does it. It's the mind that gets bound. Self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. Rajesh, what is the freedom? If I'm saying you're bound to all these things, what is the freedom then? So you're free from all those things. How do you become free of all those things? Doesn't mean that you leave your children and your partner. Doesn't it mean you leave your house and your job and your... Not being affected by whatever happens to these things. See, right now your partner shouts that you're affected. Your children don't listen to you, you're affected. You don't do the deal in, at work, you're affected. So the freedom is not being affected by these things. It's not not having these things. Not being affected by these things. Your phone goes beep, and you instantly want to look at it. You're bound by it. This is what we're talking about, freedom. Did you want to say something? Okay. No, I was saying, would it, would it, would it be helpful to uh, like question everything? If you were to question every action, then you would be actually free from it because you've known that you've made the decision. So you actually. See, for questioning, you need to have the reason. Yeah, to reason, and this is what we're talking about. Yeah. When we don't have it, yeah. we're bound by it. When we do have it, then, as you rightly said, we can question this thing. My partner's just shouted at me. Oh, I'm miserable now. You have a strong intellect. My partner just shouted at me. You know what? What time is it? She always shouts at this time. You know, it's fine. <clears throat> You're no longer bounded by others' actions. That deal didn't go through at work today. You know what? I've had five good deals. What's one? Otherwise you're affected. Why didn't this go through? So it's the ability to accept things as they are? Or? Ability to accept things as they are, to understand that this is, it can, it, things can happen either way. You're not in control of everything. But, the, but you're in control of your own personality. You, you can decide, should I be affected or not by what happens in the world? That decision is yours, no? If you make yourself strong enough, then you can fight anything, anything that happens in your life, and not be affected. It's, as we said many a times, if you're agitated, if you're upset, there's only one person to blame, yourself. You can't blame anybody else but yourself. It's your lack of understanding. See, these are the things we talked in the beginning to say, accept who you are right now and then start. So whoever you are, whatever you are, your personality, you start from understanding these things. So we must understand our current situation. Work towards gaining freedom from the demands of the body, mind and intellect. There's nothing wrong in having passions. 
But these passions should not control us. We should be in control of those passions. This is what we're saying. So bondage is being bound by these passions and freedom is being self-sufficient, meaning control of these passions. That's the difference between bondage and freedom. How many of us can live without our smartphones, even for a day? We're bound by it. Battery's on 10%, I better charge it. <laughs> huh? It wasn't long ago we didn't have any phones. We did quite well without them. The older generation knows what I'm talking about. Lack of intellect, richness and poverty. We covered it last week a little bit, yeah? Most people are unaware of the true meaning of richness and poverty. Who is rich and poor? Who wasn't here last week? Okay. Be ready. Who is... <laughs> meaning of richness and poverty. Who is rich and poor? What is richness and what is poverty? What is richness, Hemel? It doesn't matter, whatever you think it is. I'm not looking for the right or wrong answer. What is richness to you? Materially? Materially, yeah. Okay. And poverty would then be someone who doesn't. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. So a person might say, I have a million pounds in my account. Is he rich or poor? Emma? Rich. Rich. But he's saying, if I get two million, then I'll be rich. <laughs> in his sense, he's poor, but obviously for someone... So what determines it? This is what we're talking about here. We're trying to understand what determines richness and poorness. So this person has a million in, say a billion in his account. Yeah. But he's saying, if I get two, then I'll be rich. Another person said, I live in this shack. I have a job and earn enough to feed my family three meals a day. I'm so blessed to be this well off. Who's rich, who's poor? He's rich, isn't he? So what's richness and poorness then? You see, this is how we look at life, isn't it? We look at life, oh this guy, look at the car he drives, look in you know, a business he runs, he must be rich. And we want to be like him. Huh? What do you want to drive the car he drives, you want to be able to be like him, Rajesh. But inside he's poor, he's miserable. Because he's only got 100 million in his account. So, richness and poorness is not dependent on how much wealth one possesses, but on the level of desires one has. So the formula is, Hemel, write this down. Yeah. When your desires are less than the amount of wealth you have, you're a rich person. 
When your desires are more than the wealth you have, you're a poor person. So someone with a strong intellect understands this. Someone with weak intellect doesn't understand this. So he's aspiring to become like this other person without knowing is it going to make me happy or not. So how can everyone be happy? Right now, how can you be happy about this? Reduce your desires so that the amount of wealth you have is covered. Now you're rich. See, this stops your mental agitations. This is what we're talking about. We're agitated until we get to that level, only then to find that actually, no, it hasn't brought me happiness. I need to get to another level. Then you realize, I'm, not, I'm still not happy. I need to get to another level. This never stops. But if you understand that if I keep control my desires within the amount of wealth I have, I'm rich now. He's not controlling his mind. The mind is controlling him. But this is what we're talking about. A lack of intellect. We see the world differently. We don't reason. We're not able to. We need the knowledge as well to be able to understand this. You know, people don't understand this. Richness. If you tell this now to somebody, you'll make them think. Hang on. I can be rich now. I just have to change the way I think. I just... So who's the richest man in the world then? Man with no desires. Where does this concept lie with um, the desire to achieve being a better human being, so spiritually? Mm. So it's still a desire, and it can be a strong desire where you are constantly agitated to think, I want to be better than I am. Um, I want to be less selfish than I am. I want to be able to progress spiritually more that's still a desire and that can still agitate you but am I still poor because it's agitating me so all the concepts we have covered are in the material world mm. okay uh, which is what most people understand material side now talking about spiritual side that's completely different because you're already saying, I don't want to be in this world. This world isn't bringing me happiness. You're already so highly developed to understand that. But I want to be spiritually developed. Yeah, and you have agitations on that side. But understanding the scriptures which tells you this is the path to spiritual development, you will fall over. You will be agitated. But you continue. Those agitations will cease. Those are different agitations altogether because your goal is different. which you work on by getting more knowledge and understanding. So it's a completely different path. You will be agitated until you reach your goal, which is the self. You see? But you understand that. It's going to be a struggle. But most of us are, can't think of that at the moment because we're not there. We're still looking in the material world.
If you can only you see you can only move to the spiritual path once you're content in the material world. So we te- the scriptures is teaching you how to be content in the material world. You want to be rich? Reduce your desires in your wealth. You're now rich. Okay, what else? You're affected? Don't be affected. People base people act based on their natures. You have no control over that. Okay, what else? Once you're now content in the world, then you can think of the spiritual aspects. Until you're content in the world, you cannot think of the spiritual aspects. Does that make sense? Because you're mentally agitated by the material world. Your body, your mind, your intellect constantly wants feeding. I want to go on holiday. I want to see the new movie. I want to go to a new restaurant. I want this. Why isn't my son doing this? Why isn't my daughter doing that? Why isn't he in the university? Why isn't he st- You're constantly feeding. I need a new car. I need whatever. So how can you think of spiritual things? How can you think of spiritual things? Yeah, a few minutes in the morning you might be a prayer. That's it. So until you're content in the material world and you realize that, you know what, I've got everything, I'm still not happy. What is my role in this world? What am I supposed to be doing here? Until you come to that point in your life, you won't go on to the spiritual path. It's difficult. You know, you'll think about it. But what Sittal is talking about, when you're agitated on the spiritual path, then that's a different ball game. So a billionaire can still be poor. A person in the slums can feel his rich. Just knowledge and attitude. So it's a mental state. Ignorant, ignorant of this fact, people are spending their time constantly gathering more and more wealth without checking their constant growing desires. Hence they will remain ever poor, no matter what. A person with a strong intellect will keep a check on his desires and contain it within his quantum of wealth. You can all leave the classroom rich today. Contain our desires within the wealth we have. Be content with what you have now. You can still aspire for more. But don't sell your current happiness for something you may or may not get in the future. This is another concept, I'll just put it in. You can be happy right now. Don't think, when I get this, I'll be happy. When my son gets married, I'll be happy. Because you won't. Because you'll be saying, when he gets two kids, then I'll be happy. When these two kids go to a good school, then I'll be happy. (laughs) It's never ending. (laughs) When my daughter gets married, you'll be happy, yes? But then it'll be, when she settles down, I'll be happy. When she has a child, I'll be happy. The child has to be healthy, then I'll be happy. It's never ending. This is the point we're trying to make. Yeah, is everyone clear on that? So, lack of intellect. How do we see health and ill health? These are just a few points to say how we see the world without understanding what the world is. Due to weak intellect, people cannot understand the difference between good and bad health. External features represent good health to an ignorant person rather than what's happening inside. 
It's not the external appearance, but what is happening inside that matters. A person may look completely healthy. I think a few weeks ago, a 35-year-old wrestler just died. He looked very healthy, and he dropped dead. You would not see him and think that he's unhealthy. So we see this lopsided, this guy, look at him, his physique. What helped? Inside he might be having a blocked artery, we don't know. So we see things differently because of lack of understanding. You need to have a good balance of exercise, proper food to maintain good health internally. You know, we pump ourselves with vitamins and all that, all that sort of things, which makes us look good. Creams and everything. But what's happening inside, we don't understand. This is the point they're making. Eating the right food, dieting, dietitian, exercise, that is what health is. This we covered already. Love and attachment. How do we see love and attachment? We have covered this in the past classes. Another mistake people make is to understand the difference between love and attachment. What is attachment? You've all mentioned it. What is attachment? Definition. Being affected by the people you love. Being affected by the people you love. Okay. Another definition. Attachment. Just knowing attachment. Attachment. Possessive. Hmm? Sometimes you could become possessive. Become, attachment can turn into possessiveness, yeah. absolutely. Which is um, another form of it. Attachment, attached. yeah. And likes and dislikes. Likes and dislikes. Preferential relationship. Preferential relationship. You love someone as long as they cater to your needs. The minute they stop, you no longer love them. Does that make sense to everyone? Attachment causes misery because, Anita said, it can remove, lead to possession, um, possessiveness, anger, all sorts of things. When they don't cater to your needs, you get angry. That's not love. That is attachment. But we don't understand the difference. So we're just talking about the differences. Your child listens to you, does what you want him to do, you love him. The minute they don't, you get angry with them. That's not, that's not love, that's attachment. But does doesn't responsibility come into all of this? Yes. So, well, you know you were saying roles and everything. Mm -hmm. um, you still, you know, even if you don't want to be affected, you get affected because it is you see it as a responsibility. So you have to fulfill responsibility so you can be, well the best way to put it is so you have to try and be the best be your best at the role that you're playing but then that's also then it also brings in desires because to do your role right you want the best for the child best for your husband best for your family so again you have desires desires to do the right thing the desire to play your role correctly so the correct way is to play your role the best way you can without desires. You are a mother, a wife, you play those roles to your best of your ability without desires. Can you see the difference? Mm -hmm. 
You're playing your role without desires. It's, an, it's a high state. Yeah. yeah? So, so what you have to do is you just have to do what you have to do. And then okay. you worry about the income. I have to cook a meal tonight for my family. I'll do my best to cook the best meal I can. That is your role. Now, they say, I don't like this. Well, I don't, like that. don't be affected by it. You've done the best you can. Use your anger. Don't lose, don't lose your anger. The difference. Your child doesn't listen. You need to get angry at that child so he understands that you're serious. But deep inside you love that child and you're not affected by it, but you need to get angry because that's the only, that's the only um, language that the child understands. But deep inside you can, oh look, you know, don't like to do this, but he's not eating his food, so I've got to get angry. See the difference? Not losing your anger, you're using your anger. Not being affected. Mm. So what is love? Lots of complications. <laughs> Pure love is identification. A oneness, being in harmony with everyone. Love brings you peace and happiness in life. Attachment, misery. What is a hundred percent love? <laughs> what is a hundred percent love? There is such a thing. There's hundred percent love. Actually, what's hundred percent love? Self-realization. Self-realization. Yeah. But we can't understand that. Universal love. Let's love everyone in our family first, on our street first, in our community. Then we can, huh? Unselfish. Unselfish. Understanding that everyone in the world is the self, Brahman. That's universal love. The same self in me, the spirit, the electricity, whatever makes me alive, is in every human being, every animal, every person in this world and I, I identify with that then why would you hate anyone? If you hate that person you hate yourself. That's universal love. It's a high state but I'm showing you the other end of the spectrum so you have an idea. This comes from the spiritual development not material development. If you consider yourself separate from all beings, then you are indifference from the world and suffer the consequences. You have anger, you have hatred, you have love. So another, another way of looking at it is, love with self-centeredness and selfishness equates to attachment, a distortion of love. Humans think they possess love, but fail to see that it's actually attachment. So one with a weak intellect sees attachment in the mask of love in the world today. Lack of understanding, lack of intellect. We're clarifying here. 
split clear. Difference between attachment and love. We have covered it before, but it always, you know, we still get attached very easily, so we therefore it's always good to cover it. <laughs> Knowledge and wisdom. We've already covered this. Difference. Just quickly go over this. Knowledge and wisdom. Someone just tell me the difference and then we'll move on. Knowledge and wisdom. What's the difference knowledge and wisdom, Raj? And wisdom? Your intellect. Knowledge is different from wisdom. Knowledge is obtained from external sources, as Raja said, whilst wisdom is achieved by your intellect reflecting and contemplating on the knowledge obtained. The difference being that with knowledge you're just storing the information about a particular subject, but with wisdom you live by that knowledge. It becomes part of you and your life. The ignorance of an intellect makes it difficult for one to understand the difference. I'm not going to dwell on it because we've covered this. Is there anybody who doesn't understand the difference? Because we went into quite detail a couple of classes ago. Okay. This is the next one. We talked about uh, happiness and uh, desires and wealth. Okay. So we get a lot of money. Okay. What do we do with money? Huh? <laughs> Buy things. Buy things and we enjoy those things. We go on holiday. We buy a new kitchen, buy a new house, a new car, whatever you do with the money. Money itself cannot bring you happiness. If you have a million pounds in cash in your house, how does it bring you happiness? You have to spend it to gain, to get anything out of it, isn't it, Anita? Hundred gold bars in your under your bed. Is that going to give you any happiness? It's not. Only if you exchange it for something, it will give you happiness. So what is enjoyment? This is what we're going to cover now. What is this? We all want it. We all want enjoyment. How do we get enjoyment? We got all the money. Now we want to get maximum pleasure with that money, Rajesh. This is a new concept, by the way, yeah? We want to get maximum pleasure in life with the money we've earned by working so hard. How do you get maximum pleasure with that money? That's all you can do with it, isn't it? Yeah. You can only feed your five sense organs with money, correct? Yeah. As Anita said, sight, taste, touch, seeing, hearing. There's nothing else you can do with money. Okay, fine. So, how do you get maximum pleasure? That's how we use the money to exchange it for sense objects. Yeah, everyone's with me so far? We exchange the money for sense objects to cater to our five senses and the mind and intellect. But how do we get maximum pleasure with that money? You might buy something and within, no, you, wear, you buy a new dress, you wear it two times and think, no, oh, this is now. How do you get maximum pleasure with what you purchase? I think that this is really important. Abstinence. What's this lady saying? Abstinence. She's saying abstinence. What does that mean, abstinence? Don't overindulge. Don't overindulge. 
limit. Satisfied. Hmm? Be satisfied. Be satisfied. Okay. We're going to learn today how to get maximum pleasure from anything and everything in life. Abstinence means self-restraint. Means controlling the amount you contact. What you contact. To get maximum pleasure from that object or being. The opposite of self-restraint or um, in, um, indulge. Um, the opposite of that is indulgence. We indulge. We lose the we lose the pleasure. When we indulge, we lose the pleasure. Through self-constraint, for abstinence. You know what abstinence means? Not contacting. You get maximum pleasure from not contacting it. Anyway. How does that work? So when you do contact it, then it's pleasurable experience. Yeah. That's what. That's how. When you contact, but then how can you get pleasure from not contacting it? She's saying that you get pleasure from abstinence, meaning not contacting it. But you do miss it. If you don't have it, you won't miss it because you don't know what you. But you're dreaming of it. Okay, you enjoy it more when you've not had it for a long time, and then you have it once you enjoy it. Exactly. So, how to get maximum pleasure from objects or beings? You've you've earned your money. You now bought a Rolls Royce. How do you get the maximum benefit of that car? And they're saying by not contacting it. Drive it once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pointless. Rajesh, don't contact it and you'll find maximum pleasure. This is what the scriptures are saying. Okay, we'll go through it in more detail. How do we get maximum pleasure in life, anyone? What if I say through self-restraint, moderation, controlling your contact? So what we're saying is you get maximum pleasure by not contacting the object of being. You buy a new car. First time you get into the car and drive it, you get maximum pleasure. You know, you just bought a new car. Maximum pleasure when you first got in, isn't it? Is it the same pleasure now you're getting? Be honest. You drive it every day. A month later, you're no longer getting the same pleasure you got on the first day. Correct? The pleasure is reduced by 75%. But reduced to 75%. Doesn't matter what car it is. One year later, the pleasure is reduced to 50%. Three years later, it's just another car. You're ready to change for the new model. Why? The car is the same. You're the same. Amount of contact you've had with it. You buy a new model, hundred percent pleasure again. Go for the same routine. You buy a new car and you realize the older one that you traded in was better. The more we contact an object of being, the, 
The pleasure content reduces with each contact if it's unregulated. To the, the third or fourth page. A couple of pages down. A couple of pages. More. That's it. Something I did this morning. The more we contact an object or being, the pleasure content reduces with each contact if it's unregulated. We, until we reach a state called neutralization, where that object or being is no longer giving you any pleasure, zero pleasure. So, on the left it says pleasure, maximum, first contact. As you contact more and more, the pleasure content goes down and down until you get to zero pleasure. Yes, you bought a brand, you bought a seven series BMW, something you were dreaming of. You got it. You're so happy and content. Does that car give you the same pleasure now? It doesn't. The car's the same. Okay, we'll give you another example because everyone can relate to this one. As she was saying in the car, you had a mango and it was really nice today, wasn't it? It's so good, isn't it? You're saying in the car. You're having a conversation with Sil. Right now is the mango season. First mango you eat, queso, Alfonso. Anita, how does it taste? Yummy. Yummy. <laughs> maximum pleasure. See, that's the sign of maximum pleasure. <laughs> Yummy. Second mango. Still yummy? Yeah. Yummy. Okay. I give you five mangoes and I say, right, eat them now. All five mangoes. Fifth mango. Will it still be yummy? No, I think I would have had too much. Maximum, you've had overindulged contact. I'm not enjoying it anymore. The mango's the same. What's the difference? It's the same. In fact, the fifth mango is better than the first mango. <laughs> but you're still not enjoying it. So what do you do, Anita? You have the first mango, it's yummy. You have a second mango, it's yummy. Then you yeah. stop. Yeah. Then you leave it for a week. And you have that mango again, it becomes yummy again. You're regulating your contact. This is how to get maximum pleasure from any object or being by regulation. So we need to understand that I will get neutralized to this. Right now we don't understand this concept. I will get neutralized to this if I eat too much of it. How do I keep the pleasure in this object? Limited contact. You see in this country we get mangoes all year round. In India they have it only three months or whatever. So when, they, when the season comes again, they're all ready. Maximum pleasure. So it's how we contact. See, even with uh, partners, forget mango, partners, to keep that 
pleasure content going within a relationship, you need to be apart sometimes. Your husband goes away for business two weeks. You miss him. He comes back. You're happy to see him. Every day he comes back, you think, oh, he's back. It's good to do a girl holiday. But you see the point. This is the concept we're talking about. Pleasure contact is back. He's back. I missed him so much. Let me make his favourite food, let me spend some time with him. So you're, you're maintaining that pleasure content in everything in the world. If you understand how to contact it correctly, this is the point we're making. You get, you get uh, neutralized. It doesn't matter what it is. You could be married to the best looking person in the world. You will get neutralized. You go first class on holiday, you'll get neutralized. You go to a beach every month, you think, I can't be bothered. I don't want to go to another beach. I've had enough. You get neutralized. It doesn't matter what it is, you'll get neutralized. You get a Rolls Royce, you'll get neutralized. If you didn't, they wouldn't be bringing out models every few years. They know how... Americans are very good at it. iPhone 1, iPhone 2, iPhone 3, every, every year because they know. They're neutralized now. They don't understand this concept, they just know from marketing perspective. These guys knew thousands of years ago how human beings function. Most people indulge in objects and beings externally and they chase off the sensual pleasures in the world without thinking about what they are doing. With a strong intellect, you understand that excessive contact reduces the enjoyment. Regular contact with sense objects generate maximum pleasure at first contact. Thereafter, the pleasure diminishes until you get no pleasure at all with further contact. This is a state of neutralization caused by indulgence. Your life then turns boring, since you get no pleasure. With strong intellect, keeping a check and regulating and abstaining from the contact, one can enjoy objects and beings all through life. Due to the ignorance of the intellect, one does not understand this. So maximum pleasure, is it from contact or non-contact? Non-contact. Abstinence. They have cake every day, they have once a week, yeah. yummy. Just because you can, doesn't mean you should. This is what they're saying. So all these, you know, these rich people, they're the, they find it very difficult because they don't understand. They get bored of life. They just indulge in everything. They have no control, and by the time they're 30, they're on drugs, this, that, you know, because they don't know how to get pleasure from life anymore. They've lost that pleasure. 
Tommy Joe was saying he was staying at someone's house. Rich family. And it was a boy's 21st birthday. They're sitting in the breakfast. And the father said, look what I got you. The son said, what have you got? He goes, I got you a brand new Ferrari. The boy said, dad said, aren't you going to go and have a look at it? I'll look at it later. Neutralized. He's bored. He's bored. He's done everything, I suppose. He's only 21. But friends that already got Ferrari say he knows that he's bored already. Neutralised. So now you know how to get excitement from objects and beings. See, even if you leave your partner and marry someone else, the problem is still going to be the same until you understand this concept. So, lack of intellect. Any questions on that? Because this is quite a con good. This is quite an important concept for you to understand life and how to be happy. Service. I'm here. This is my role. I'm good at this. This is what I need to be doing. I have to earn a living. Not affected by it. This is what I'm good at. Do the best I can. So, lack of intellect, mundane and spiritual. How do we see mundane and spiritual? Who is spiritual and who is worldly? When we don't have an intellect, how we see this in the world? Yeah. So, who is spiritual and who is worldly? How do you? Differentiate, tell the difference between the two. Who is worldly and who is spiritual? It's more spiritual. Okay. But Sittle said earlier that how so much agitation on the spiritual path. Maybe they're not at the right level yet. <laughs> it's a different type of agitation. Okay. We're looking from a different perspective. In the world, who do we regard as being spiritual and who do we regard as being worldly? She said, Bhakti Ben said, someone who's agitated is worldly, someone who's not agitated is spiritual. But the agitation is within them, so you can't tell. Okay? So how do you tell the difference between a spiritual person and a non-spiritual person? Because we don't understand, we have a weakness that. How do we see the world? How unselfish, though. How unselfish they are, you think? Because they're unselfish, they're more spiritual? Well, if we're just looking at it as, as of how we see things, there's someone that's in the mandir, someone that goes to the mandir, someone that's more religious, we see them as spiritual people, and the people that don't, we see them as worldly people. Unspiritual. Yeah, the, unspiritual. The, the, the people who are going to the temples will say they're unspiritual. Yeah, yes. Isn't it? Okay. Um, so? Identification. Identification, okay. Unfortunately, there's a weak intellect, so there's no identification. So, let's explore this. Due to a weak intellect, people are confused about who or what is being spiritual, and what is worldly, mundane. We judge by external factors, such as the position they hold, the external behavior, 
examples. As you said, temp going to a temple. Any other examples? Who would you consider being spiritual? But like, you see someone, you think, oh, how spiritual? Why? Because. Okay. But they might help them because they want to get something from them. <laughs> Could it be their time? Clothes that they yeah, that's one aspect. Their status in the temple or community, yeah. That makes them spiritual. Does it make them spiritual? No, but that's how we see it. That's, that's how, how we, we see, see it. it. Anything? What makes you, who would you see someone as being spiritual? What makes you think they're spiritual? The song that talks about religion, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, he has so much knowledge about religion. He must be spiritual. Isn't it? This is how we look at the world. His external behavior, how he dresses, the fact that he is able to recite some mantras in Sanskrit. Oh, what knowledge, he must be spiritual. Long hair, no hair, length of his beard. He conducts the puja everywhere. Spiritual. Correct? This is how we judge. These are all the non-essentials of spirituality. This is what the scriptures are saying. This is the non-essentials of spirituality. They have no relevance to spirituality. They may help you on the spiritual path. Having no hair helps me on my spiritual path. That's one less thing I have to be agitated about. Yeah? It helps me on my spiritual path. Correct? But that doesn't make me spiritual having no hair. Having these outfit helps me identify everyone else in the ashram. There's no rich or poor. Everyone has the same outfit. It helps you on the path. You don't, you're not agitated about anybody, somebody else's dress. That doesn't make me spiritual. It doesn't determine your spiritual status. You need a strong intellect to understand the difference between spiritual and mundane. A spiritual person is one who has eliminated most of his desires and has no interest in the world. Instead, his focus is on the transcendental, transcendental spiritual path. This is a spiritual person. One who is reducing his desires, that's a spiritual person. A human plus desires is God. A human, sorry, God plus desires is a human being. So what is God? A human minus, minus desire. So what is a spiritual person? Spiritual person is a human being who's reducing his desires because he's getting closer to God. Isn't it? What else is there? <laughs> Doesn't matter what clothes he wears, what car he drives, what house he lives in, what holidays he goes on. But those would all be, sorry, those would all be his desires though, isn't it? It might be his partner's desires. You're still... I have no desires, but this is the role I have to play. My partner wants to go on holiday, my kids want to go on holiday, I need to go with them. That's your role. I have no desire to go to a five-star restaurant, but the family wants to go, I, have, I can't say to them, I have no desire for it, I'm staying home, you go. That's your role you have to play. 
But inside you understand, I don't need it. It's what's inside, not outside. You see, you might say, well, you know what, you go, I don't have no desire for it. But inside you're thinking, wonder what they're eating. Wonder what the place is like. But externally you're saying, I don't want to go. You don't have a desire, you have to do, play your role. This is the difference, you see? It's not how you act, it's what's within. A spiritual person is one who has eliminated most of his desires, no interest in the world. His focus is on only keep reaching that goal of self-realization. He is aware of the truths of life. He revels in that self. He does not, or she, does not rely on the world for his or her happiness. He is permanently happy within. A spiritual person, that is. The goal is reaching that. Who am I? What is my purpose? That's the only desire they have. And going on that path is a spiritual person. Nothing else. Bella, does that make sense? Does that make sense? Hemo? But you can't recognize that in someone else. It is not your role to recognize in another person. Your role is to get there yourself. It's an example of This is it. We don't know. This is the point we're saying. What? Because it's inside how they, they are. Externally, we don't know. They have no clothes, fair enough. They, but they, inside, they may have a desire for clothes. We don't know that. See? This is the point we're making. We're not able to judge who is spiritual and who isn't. The only thing we can judge is where we. You know, we came here alone and we're leaving alone. There's only one room for one in that coffin. You know? So it's up to us to find out what our purpose and role is, regardless of what the other person is doing. So the materialist, worldly person has value for everything in the world. It's full of unfulfilled desires, which lead to a stressful life full of worry and anxiety. So a person with a weak intellect attributes a spiritual person by external factors, such as robes, spiritual texts that he has memorized, or the length of his beard. These factors have no connection to spirituality. And because of this lack of understanding, the world has become a place of intolerance between humans. Religion has broken into many different sects, and each one is fighting with each other for authority. The lack of intellect has led to terrorism and wars. Recent war in Middle East, ISIS. That's an example I can give because it's happened now. One person stood up and said, follow me, I am the new caliph. I will show you the right way to reach God. People followed him and started killing their own. People were joining to kill other Muslims and non-Muslims because they thought they were not being true Muslims. Truly spiritual. They thought they were not being spiritual. And they thought by killing, they were being spiritual. See, this is what's happening in the world, because people are not able to understand what is spiritual, being a spiritual person. 
lack of thinking. So this is an example of what people think spirituality is. Kill someone who doesn't follow your path because he's unspiritual. It's crazy, isn't it? You think about it, it's crazy. Humans in their ignorance of the intellect have lost their way in the world and no longer understand the purpose of one's existence. And those with no intellect see the world in a perverted manner. Everything in the world is upside down to them. Wrong they see as right, bad they see as good. Any questions? We'll stop there because that's a lot to take in today. <laughs> You've learned how to be happy with what, everything you have, how to get maximum pleasure out of life, and how to become spiritual.